This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to always thank Central Works for sponsoring us for our second year with the, uh, our sponsorship and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have a wonderful guest. Uh, she's back, I think, the third time. Jeannie Baroga. Not, not I think. It is the third fourth? time. <laughs> fourth. I, I, I was looking it up. It was like all in just uh, 2017. There were three of them in 2017. So I thought, wow, okay. Well, okay. We were just yeah. getting started. So. <laughs> well, the first time we were just getting to know you. And then the second time uh, you wanted to talk about walls because you were fired up because of someone had used uh, the title of uh, your play it's one of those things where okay i'm going to see the play walls but you know is it which walls is it and um so that was good memory a troubling <laughs> troubling thing that happened at the time um and speaking of walls you received the national endowment uh for the arts award for walls mm -hmm. isn't that right Jeannie? yeah yeah Yay. that was it that was, so that was the first you, one and yeah kicked everything into overdrive it's now in a lot of uh theses and uh, syllabi and it's in books and so it, it it's it hit a chord with the country it seems so yeah that's wonderful and and it's a tribute to uh just uh I, i'm just gonna say your greatness i mean um, um stanford it, university has, has yeah stanford university has your books um you've been on the uh the turn right at the water buffalo and we're going to talk about that is on the regent press's best sellers list so we're going to talk about all that but how are you doing genie uh, within the midst of COVID 19 you know, I was uh, going over that yesterday, thinking like, you know, my my life before COVID and after, and because and and Norman knows this, I had two hip replacements in an eight month period. Oh, so God. I was homebound most of COVID time, and which made it easy or possible to write turn right with the water buffalo. But it was an it was a plus and a minus. Um, I, I I got that kind of work stuff, but it also kept me. Uh, away, sort of off the grid, um, and listening to the last e interview you had with Gold, I was like, oh my God, look at all this stuff that's happening because of this COVID atmosphere. People have become very, very unique in wanting to present their art forms in whatever possible way they could. And I went, you know, they're doing it, they're doing it, you know? Oh, yeah. So I, I'm doing well as far as the hip replacement i've i've gotten rid of my my cane at the beginning of the year so yay for that and uh so yeah no it, it's it's like it's good because all these things are happening this year so i i kind of i get on the horse again you know <laughs> yeah and and how's your husband is he, is he doing well tony tony is wonderful tony is uh he's the man you know he's he's uh been working really hard at, at uh, the center and uh, being moved up and things like that. So mm. they they depend on him a lot for, for what he does over there. And and I did because I was recovering. He he was working. He'd come home for lunch, make me lunch, go back to work, come back, make dinner. It was, you know, above and beyond the call of duty. So he's he's my hero. Wow. Well, now yeah. see, that's love. Yeah. You know, yeah. When we talk about love, and of course, we're a week away from Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. you know, love can be one of these, you know, touchy feeling when everything is wonderful. Oh, sweetheart, I love you and all this stuff. But 
when you get sick and when you really need someone to be there, mm-hmm. when you're down, when you, that's, and the person are, is there, yeah. that's when you know that you are loved. Yeah. Speaking of love, uh, Norman, how are you? Also, How's Mara? And they're the most, that's when they're the most annoying too. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just teasing. Um, the big things for me, um, I just interviewed with uh, SF Shakes uh, just to direct a reading. So um, I don't know if that's a big deal or not a big deal, but they made the interview big. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. SF Shakes. You yeah. Know. Um, and I'm just recovering from, I don't know what it was, but for about a week, I just, I, I went from drippy sinus stuff to sore throat finally kind of got panicked and I ran out to um, get a test and I am clear. Is is that what's on your arm? Oh, crap. Yes, I have to do, um, I'm no, this is totally unrelated. I am doing a so. So I'm gonna actually be quiet for a while because I am doing a uh, market research thing on blood pressure. This is a um, Bluetooth blood pressure cuff i have a smartwatch <laughs> and wow a iphone you're plugged in wow and every day i have to take my blood pressure three times a day it's funny i was just talking to three a friend a of three times <laughs> three times a day I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who's in the medical industry just a couple of hours before, uh, ago and we were talking about the merging between technology and the medical industry, uh, both for the good and for the bad. You know, there are some uh, folks who believe that it's, you know, it's a little too much. Um, but, you know, it's amazing. It's, um, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool, you know, today's technology. All righty. Um, so it sounds like COVID-19 has not hit you, Jeannie, and, and um, your family at all? Oh, well, uh... Since it began, I lost seven family members, not to COVID, but everything else. So mm-hmm. it's still been a very, you know, uh, impactful period that way. But we have been lucky ourselves. We have not, we have okay. not convict, you know, contracted anything at all. So yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. You know, it's funny. You had written uh, Aurora, and I uh, was participated in that. Um, some bad current events, but apparently last night there was a shooting at Aurora. I don't know if you knew that, Jeannie. Um, Another one? Oh, my God. It, w- it happened at a church. Um, I think it was not no much a mass shooting, but I guess I guess it was a personal thing. But uh, someone walked into a church and shot a woman and two men. The woman died and two men are still in critical condition. Wow. But the minute I heard Aurora, I immediately thought of you. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we don't have enough to, you know, to indulge in that. Also, um, this is really, really sad. I mean, not that I bring up all these sad <laughs> stuff, but Chelsea Crystal, Miss America 2019. I don't, I'm sure you two have heard about this, but she committed suicide. She jumped oh, yes. off of um, heard about that. a yeah. Manhattan patio. And it, it uh, the mother wanted to bring awareness to functioning. How she say it? She, it was, um, she suffered from functioning um, depression, high functioning depression. And it's something that we really have to talk about more. I've talked with a lot of my uh, black friends, especially those. Uh, there's a friend of mine that I graduated from high school with, and we've talked about doing a black podcast to talk about black mental health because it's it's really really um, 
it's serious and it's something that's not talked about and it's not just black mental health but really all mental health especially in in the age of covid because we're more isolated and there's some folks like you know eugenie you had talked about how writers are a bit insulated and we sort of get into our heads so the isolation doesn't affect us um but other folks they can't stand it at all they really need social interaction well it's a it's a failing in our culture i'd say yeah yeah very much so and I would say that uh, adding to that, and given the play that uh, Norman and uh, Golda were in on Thursday too, teen suicide since COVID is alarming. It's so alarming. And I, I, I really feel for them. I think, first of all, it's affecting their, their education. How educated are they going to be this whole generation? And the fact that they've uh, got to deal with that and you know the fact of growing up and teen years and 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 social pressures all that on top of a a, a, a pandemic um the numbers the numbers alarmed me you know i was really i, I felt i felt really helpless about what what can we do for our our next generations there there are hope you know and i forgot and i'd forgotten that that was the twist in that play that's uh, remnants is the play uh, uh, Jeannie's, uh, one of Jeannie's older plays that uh, we brought back for a reading with the Hawaii Playwrights Group. And uh, it's wonderful that it catches you off guard because we're hoping. The audience is set up to hope, and she's hopeful. She's finding a way to express herself, but the more she gets into it, the more it just becomes toxic for her. Sensitive, sensitive souls, you know, and a sensitive age, period. So um, a lot of things, a lot of things going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I think of, you know, talking about this play, I I wish I was involved in that or, you know, just to hear it because it sounds interesting, but also your play Aurora, you don't shy away from tragedy. You don't shy away from loss. And I remember listening to our, um, I think the second to last podcast, but also remembering uh, Aurora, we need more when we think about theater, we think about entertainment, just entertain me, just get a, get me away from thinking about reality. But sometimes I think the theater that draws me are the theater that brings reality to perspective and helps me understand the pain that I'm going through. I mean, there's a reason why Joaquin Phoenix won an Oscar for mm-hmm. Joker, because, mm-hmm. you know, he puts a finger on what's happening out in the world and how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, if a person doesn't feel like crying, if the actor cries, if the playwright puts it all in perspective, then the audience can appreciate it more. I mean, don't you feel that way? Yeah, no, I think that's the real uh, challenge of of writing a play for more than one person. You know, there's going to be all these various types of people who are reacting in their own ways. I've had people who actually say, you know, does everything have to be so depressing? And I think, well, no, everything doesn't have to be so depressing. But if you look at the play, you can see that there are the the pills and valleys and and the curbs and the jokes and the silliness. And then there's uh, somber periods and there are there are just heartfelt, very not depressing, but they're they're downs, They're, they're blues, it's the blues. So um, that's that's the challenge for the writer to be able to maneuver through that and, um, you know, kind of tease these different emotions to the foreground, because I think a lot of people put a lot of energy into squelching a lot of emotions and theater. You can see it on their faces when the, the tears come or the laughter comes. It's like, 
well, when was the last time that happened for you? You know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, a what do you call it? Uh, a goal that I think writers need to be aware of to uh, address as many emotions as they can and be truthful about it. Cause yeah. then it will ring true when it's not, you know, yeah. it's like, eh, not buying it, you know? Yeah. But so, you do a good enough job to not, you know, you know, you can bring, you can address depression or address pain on stage, but not leave the audience there. You know, yeah. you do do a good yeah. job in, you know, putting a nice button on the end uh, mm-hmm. to say, Hey, there is some hope. I mean, you know, when I think about Aurora, you know, there, there is some closure mm-hmm. that I think the father has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's, well, that's even for the Thursday play, I think people were, uh, were uh, kind of laying bets in a way like, Oh, we thought for sure that no, they weren't going to make it. You know, I said, no, I thought they were going to get back together. Oh, well, I thought, you know, and it was a a specifically left open. Did you change that? Because I felt like the first time I read through it, I felt like that was like the end of the relationship. And it was just sort of a more of a button. And now it feels more like a, you know, this is the relationship. This is what the relationship is, whether it survives or not. This is what it is. There is this play is not about him suddenly going, oh, I'm going to be a better person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Truthfully, it's so long ago. Someplace else. It's so long ago. I believe I did sort of keep that as the same ending, but it, I, I strengthened it more. Mm-hmm. It was like more of that uh, response that I got the other night was like people were, like, like I said, kind of laying best. Like they are? No, they're not. Yeah. I was like, okay, good. Uh, that, it, it felt more open-ended and and we're we seem to be in the era of the open-ended ending which is mm. which is fine yep not not a problem with that at all um howard hessman dr johnny fever i mean we all of us are of yeah. the generation where we remember wkrp in cincinnati oh it just hurt me yeah he's gone dr johnny fever is but gone. more than that it turns out um he was huge in the chicago uh scene in the chicago theater and improv scene mm. So oh, wow. he gets, and when you look at his, you know, his uh, film history, you see him in little weird roles all over the place. And he's basically that guy. Mm. But that was a persona that he created. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the amount of love that people have expressed towards him and the amount of people who have intersected with him at some point mm-hmm. that we didn't know about. And it's like it's the this is not like the famous, oh, all the people from, you know, WKRP came out and said, yay. Mm-hmm. This was all kinds of folks. Yeah. yeah. He's one of those actors um, like Samuel L. Jackson and a couple of others where they didn't begin in their 20s or their teens or they didn't become discovered as the superstar. They, you know, right. they had other things and they were doing a lot of regional theater or yeah. comedy skits. And then they got discovered and they could bring all of that energy or in that experience. Mm-hmm. Like I think he actually did was a radio DJ before he became Dr. Johnny Fever, mm-hmm. which gave his uh, character all that more authenticity. So yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. It, it, it just broke my heart. I was like, oh my God, my my past is dying. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking off mic about um, there's uh, there's been some book spannings uh, in Tennessee. They've, uh, mm. teachers have, I think, uh, I think, it, I think the entire state of Tennessee has banned the book Mouse. And uh, we were talking about just, um, and we're about to talk about your book, uh, Turn Right at the Water Buffalo. 
but there, I mean, there's still the culture war that's happening in, in America where we think that we've gone past, you know, the traditional or Puritan thoughts or whatever, you know, it's 2022. So we're more advanced, uh, you know, as, as Americans. But then we're still talking about, oh, you know, we can't have these, you know, horrible books. I mean, I think the reason they gave for Banning Mouse, which for those who don't know, is a wonderful book that talks about the Holocaust and instead of actual people, they're mouse and the, uh, the Nazis are, are, are cats, I think. Right. And um, Norman, I think you have, you have the book as well. Ah. That's Tennessee. That is Tennessee burning. Tennessee today. People tossing books into a big bonfire. Yeah. And yeah. you would think we're, we're beyond that and we're past that. But it just it just reminds me that, you know, if you're in America, you're free depending upon what state you're in. I'm a I'm a I, I feel free as a black man in California. But if I were in Alabama, I wouldn't feel so free. Right. If you're a woman who wants to have an abortion. You're freer in Oregon than you are in, let's say, Tennessee. And that's horrible. That's not should be what Actually. America is. Well, and I would say even as a black man, California is not safe. There are safe zones in California. Well, sure. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And and like I said, you know, America should not be that way at all. And we've talked right. about, you know, just and I think the justification the gay for apparently there's a section in mouse where there is a naked woman or a naked female mouse, right. which is um, hung. I think a middle-aged, um, you know, woman that's hung, and it's not for titillation; it's to show the extremity of the violence of the history of the history. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm keying into what you're saying that we shouldn't, we should know better, I guess. And no, I, it, it's, it's something that is almost like a flow. It's like an ebb and tide. Because I remember being in the late 50s, early 60s, and, and maybe it was because I was going to a Catholic school, but there were so many book bannings then because right. it, it would it offended certain Catholics, right? right? And those bonfires were as big as the one you just showed. Yep. So it, it was it, it never made sense to me as a, as a child then. It was like, what did those books ever do to you that you're mm -hmm. burning it, you know? Right. And um. And of course, they're talking about subject matters that as a, a 10, 12 year old, you at that point, we weren't as sophisticated. You know, then we didn't have the Internet. You know, if our parents told us first before we even set foot in, in school, fine. But it wasn't that atmosphere then. And it was it, it just seemed to be a lot easier to, oh, let's tag this one to burn. Well, here's another one. Let's 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 put this in the pile. And um, it, again, it's always in the hands of the people who are making the decisions for everyone else. Right. Um, so it, it, this country now, they've got that very vociferous other side and it's <laughs> emanating in all the other different things, including book burning. So that's just the tip of the iceberg, I think, for where this country is heading. I'm very, very concerned about the election process being uh, uh, just railroad it because of all these laws that they can pass on their own. They can do that. Do you that's mean that's alarming do you mean, to me. Do you mean the midterms or do you mean um, 2024? 
I'm talking about the whole idea of setting up a system where, okay, this group can't go in at a certain time on Sunday or this part of the country, you know, uh, it, you know, that's, that's the like, governor can have, overturn the election. The governor can just say, yeah, no, that we don't. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Arizona is trying to pass that right now. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it just disheartened me when um, the Voting Rights Act was um, turned down, you know, didn't make it. And you even had Democrats like uh, Joe Manchin. And I think there was one other that um, I don't think they voted for it. I may be. Cinema. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jeannie. And I wonder if the Trump phenomena has brought this out because. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I, yeah. I didn't really see this in the 90s or even in the aughts. And um, I thought that we really had really turned a corner. Um, and it's not even about protecting the kids. It's really about protecting right. your own ideology mm -hmm. and having your kids buy into your ideology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, very, very sad. I'm surprised at the anti-Semitism. I mean, um, well, I mean, I, I, I don't even know if that is anti-Semitism because it ties it into Whoopi Goldberg. Because Whoopi Goldberg, you know, she made some comments about the Holocaust saying uh, that it, it was It is not her anti-Semitism. It, yeah. is, it is anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I don't think Whoopi Goldberg is an anti-Semite. I think that she's misunderstood. You know, she's basically saying, well, these are really about two privileged white groups that went against each other. And that explains why six million Jews were killed. And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't think that Jews are a minority? So well, it's specifically a race. So remember, race is a social construct. It doesn't exist. It's fictional. They called the Jews a race. They were exterminating the Jewish race. And once that was made clear to her, she immediately apologized, which I love. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that she stepped up. Did uh, did you and Mara have any conversations about that, or did you guys? Oh yeah, any, yeah. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, because she was just stunned. She was like, "How could she possibly do that?" And I'm like, "Because she was raised in America and in the American educational system, where I don't remember specifically hearing the word Holocaust in school. You know, and yeah. my whole adult life, I've been hearing. I hear." Holocaust deniers about as much as I hear about the Holocaust. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Which is a commentary on the uh, the <clears throat> the school system, public school system. And you're right. I, I you know we didn't really have an education about it at all. I had to get that education after I uh, came from school. But as far as the cancel culture, I mean, she did apologize, and I think that if there's something to be said about cancel culture, you can point out when someone is wrong. But allow them to apologize and allow them to say, I'm wrong. I need to change the way that I think. Yeah. Um, so I hope that we've turned the corner because I really don't think that Whoopi is a bad person. You know, she had she's she was misunderstood. Um, I mean, she's ignorant. She yeah, she, she she confidently spoke her truth, which was the truth that she's been educated in. Mm -hmm. So that's an American truth. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that is completely based on anti-Semitism. It is nothing more than anti-Semitism. It is yep. wrong. It, and I'm I'm not one of those people going, oh, they shouldn't have pulled her off the air. I'm like, they told her to take a two-week suspension and think about it. And she's gone out on interviews. And I'm like, great. That's exactly what she should be doing. Because what she's been doing, she um, the day they uh, suspended her, she had brought some uh, Jewish leaders in to there talk about this. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, that's exactly what should be happening now. If she did that for two weeks, that would move the needle on this hugely. Exactly. Start the conversation. Don't shut up the conversation. You know, um, 
to start the conversation and, and let's get more educated about these things. Yeah. And one last thing, um, not a fun thing, whatever, but a Moroccan child was trapped in, is, is trapped in a well for five days. So on Tuesday, this happened in Morocco, a young child, I, I don't know how old he is, but he fell in a well. And as of right now, they're trying to dig him out. Luckily, he's okay. They're feeding him and he's breathing and all that stuff. I'm sure he's very traumatized, but it reminded me, remember a baby Jessica? who was trapped oh, yeah. in the well in Texas. Oh, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it reminded me of that. So I uh, hope that, you know, that kid uh, comes out well. All right. So let's. Well, uh, I would say one last positive thing is. Yes. Um, the gerrymandering that's been going on Two, at least two states have gone. No, you can't do that. And like North Carolina is the most recent one. They were told, no, that is clearly racist. Good. You know, there's a racial bias in that. You've got 18 days, I think, something like that, to redo the map, and you need to show us your homework. You need to tell, mm -hmm. show us how you are justifying redistricting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. You know, the, the people who are finally going to say, you know, that's a, that's it. That's enough. You know, mm -hmm. if no one else is going to step to the forefront and say this is just absolutely unacceptable, right? Um, and they're in that position to 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 do that more than the rest of us really right. it, it, it's like okay there's hope to me there's there's hope that okay you were you were you were voted in for a reason and you're doing your job and thank you and yeah. um where's the rest of you, you know? exactly and totally. that's the operative word where's the rest of you because you know it you can have it happen in one state but it really needs to happen everywhere um yeah. but you're, you're absolutely right and that ties into what you were saying Jeannie, about is because really democracy is based on you know our ability to vote and our ability to have representation and that's je jeopardized mm -hmm. for little ticky tack things and you know that's then we have a problem it's not america anymore yeah. let's let's talk about your book turn right at the water buffalo because we talked about this was it a, did you begin this in 2017 i mean um when did you begin that's when i picked it up fully because it had been in my mind since 1989 and it was 2000, the year 2000, when I sort of pitched it to uh, my, my husband, Tony, and um, Ron Simons, who is a Broadway producer. He's, he's the one who, who's uh, doing Colored Girls right now. And uh, um, the, the all-male African-American cast, Black-American cast, he's, he's just an amazing person. And so they're listening to this story as I'm, as I'm orally telling them, they said, you should write this. 2000 that was 2000 so here it is 20 2017 and i've got all the the notes they're spread all over the house <laughs> i figured okay let's just jump on this and do this because it seems like i mentioned it to people and they're they're interested so yeah it was officially launched uh, december 24th which is what i aimed for a christmas crowd let's say and um yeah as you mentioned before it is now on the publisher's bestseller list that's a region press that's based in oakland they they do primar primarily local writers so if people have not heard of them they are just amazing they've been around for 30 some years mm. uh their 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 track record when i went to their house for a christmas party was just like a bookcase after bookcase of all the books that they had published over over time i was really impressed so when i uh, approached him and in August, I said, I got that book. You still interested? He said, let's do it. So, boom. Right on. It's, yeah. a, it's an amazing accomplishment. And um, just reading, you know, just I haven't I don't have the book, you know, physically in my hand. 
But basically, you're talking about a Americanized Filipina, Lainey Cortez, and she visits. Uh, it's a 42nd family reunion. She goes back to the Philippines, but she's sort of disconnected from her own culture. And it's a way to reconnect. She reconnects, I guess, with her culture and all sorts of interesting things happen within uh, the book and within Lainey uh, sort of reintroducing herself to uh, the Philippines. Right. Well, the idea um, back then and still now today really is uh, a theme of identity. And this was something that um, I had gone through in my younger years as well, because being raised uh, by uh, both a Visayan mother and a, a Ilocano father, they were of the mind that you're in, you're in America now, you learn English, we, we're not gonna teach you the language. And uh, we we're lucky if we had the, 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 the things that would um, represent the Philippines back then, like the, there's the shield of moral, moral weapons, you know, and then there's the, the, the water buffalo, and then there's the, uh, the Kulintang dancers. And, uh, and uh, it, it's like, you walk into a house like that, you know, oh, they know it. And we don't, you know. So when my mother had this uh, opportunity to go back for her her reunion, I figured, okay, I think I should do this because at that point I was writing a lot. Uh, I was uh, actually teaching some Filipino uh, students that had come in from um, Manila. They were instrumental in the uh, Manila um, takeover of, of Marcus's regime. And they were so on top of it. They knew exactly what was going on. And I was I was envious. I was, I, I was asking questions constantly, and I figured here's a chance I can go myself, you know, and see. So it the 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 book is fiction, but there were things that happened to me myself and to people around me, and I figured this would make an incredible story, you know, to to put this all together and just sh show the lens of a what I consider. A friend thanked me for this. She said uh, when I said a clueless. A clueless Filipino American, you know, and and being introduced to this this uh, uh, atmosphere post Marcos. It was three years after Marcos had been deposed. Mm. There was so much going on there, um, and just uh, uh, generally, I can still say that people really don't quite know what a Filipino is, much as Filipino history, right. And I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, and uh, it's becoming more and more accessible now, let's say, because there is the internet. We didn't have that back in the 80s, and right. uh, especially when we were growing up. And um, the idea that you've got to be that type of person, too, who will do the research, the hard research, depending on, you know, your, your, your drive and your interest. Uh, if you're really, in, if you really are, Curious to know that this was the, the the source to writing it and and making it making it speak to people who were in the same boat. Um, I've gotten that a lot from people who say, you know, I always wanted to know more about my my culture and and this book and this is my period, my age group. So it it was interesting to see that there was that kind of response. No, is yeah, it is wonderful. And it touches on to and I think it's something that we talked about because you were on um, my other podcast, which has gone dormant. I'm an American too, where we talked about assimilation. And I think it's one of the things that 
a lot of um, pa parents who send their children to America or people who come to America worry about, am I going to lose my culture? Am I going to not be the person that I was? I've talked to friends who are from Vietnam, who are from China, from Japan, uh, from Europe, and the drive to be Americanized. Oh, I need to fit in. I need to fit in with my job. I need to fit in with my friends. They're all going to a Giants game, so i got to wear the Giants jersey and be American to fit in. Um, it, it, you know, your book talks about, um, I would think, not. I wouldn't say the dangers of assimilation, but you have, uh, you know, Lainey drifts away. You know, she's folks, you know, she's been American because she was brought up in America, but now she reconnects. It's almost like touching the, the proverbial wood, touching something natural, going back to her heritage. It's something that can apply to anyone, whether you're African-American, let's say going to Africa or you know, um, going back to, you know, the, it, Italy, if you're, if you're Italian. Uh, so yeah. I think, it's, I think it's a universal thing, but just assimilation. I mean, do, it, do you think that the book talks about, I guess, the dangers of assimilation of being too American and moving too far away from your culture? Oh yeah. It, it, it constantly uh, refers back to that. There, there are moments where it's, it's at the forefront and then there are times it just manifests in the in the background and and again she's observing and seeing oh my god where where why didn't i know this why why do i feel like a you know a fish out of water and because i i wasn't i wasn't um taught that at at the time um and again it's it's not like to say oh it's all the parents fault it's the the, the parents under a pressure to come from another country and say uh in so in their actions I, I deserve to be here. I can do here. I can, I can live here. I can contribute here. I'm somebody, you right. know, and, um, and I've got, I've got these, these kids, I'm, I'm raising them to, to be, to be contributors to, to this American society. So there's, there's that pressure, you know, that's, it's, it's a, it's a social pressure that um, I didn't quite understand until, of course, I grew up and heard more about, you know, even, why did you come here? Why did you come here? <laughs> you know, um, right. was it really that bad, that bad? And he said that America was, you know, that was that was heaven. If you could make it somehow to America, either even as a overseas worker or a, a maid or a nurse, or uh, as it moved up into a, another strata of careers, a doctor, um, it, it it's like it, you're constantly proving yourself. You know, and I, I saw that with my parents a lot. They would change a face as they go into a crowd that was predominantly white. It know? reminds me so much. Norman and I, we were talking about code switching. Yeah, exactly. Right. That that uh, it hit. And I think America has a lot to blame for that. I mean, if <clears throat> because we put pressure, whether it be the job workforce, so let's say dating, mm -hmm. or let's say <clears throat> I don't know, getting a house. I th I don't know if it was you or someone was saying that they. Um, I think it was a Filipina. Was it was it Eugenie who was saying that your father tried to buy a house and I guess they were told no. It may not have been you. I think it was someone else. Mm -hmm. But um you know uh I think that American culture whether where it comes from, comes from school, comes from church, comes from your neighborhood, like I said from dating or from the job forces you hey you know you need to push away that other cultural stuff and you know you're in america now you need to speak this language and it's a really really horrible thing like we had on our show um you weren't here norman circle die she is a um, um a chinese american and she has a very thick chinese accent mm 
And she's talked about, you know, going out for roles and let's say not getting roles because she isn't American, Americanized enough. I think Ben Couch, who is um, um, British, he's even talked about, you know, not, you know, being uh, Americanized or whatever. Right. And, and it's, it's a, um, I mean, Norman, have you worked, I mean, getting it back into theater, have you worked with a lot of folks who uh, are not American born and uh, has it been an issue? Well, if they've been cast, it shouldn't be an issue at all, right? I, you know, it's it's different. I'll never forget Buffaloed. Um, Jeannie, you remember? We were in San Jose. We're having auditions. This young guy comes in, and he was just fantastic. He was wonderful. And he, you know, we'd given him sides from the from the play. He read through. He was wonderful. And then they asked him to do something else, and he suddenly, like, well, I... I could do that. <clears throat> Sorry, it's hard to do the accent. I could do that. I mean, I could, but I'd have to. And we all were just stunned. It's like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> you know, he's British. He's and from he was the doing a, He was doing a Southern accent in his audition. And we yeah. bought it. We bought it. You know? <laughs> right. We were stunned. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes up and it's always that challenge. It, that was, I knew this already, but that just reinforced that lesson. You can't walk in the door and go, hi, I'm Norman G. I'd like to, you know, I'm going to audition for this role. It's good to meet you. And then get up there and go, oh, I'm a big, bad, scary guy. People aren't going to buy it. You really have to walk in the door kind of like, hi, Norman G. Yeah, you sort of have to. It's interesting. There's a, uh, a book that just came out called uh, Method Acting by uh, Isaac Butler and it sort of gets into you know getting into the role you know before you walk onto the stage and the pros and the cons of it I'm not going to get too deep into that yeah but check it out um excuse me but would you mind um is there a way to screen share and at least show the cover of the book is there oh well I don't want to do too much moving around here Uh, I'll I'll put a link to it um because it gets it it talks a lot about um shoot I wish I'm gonna have to uh but it gets into Put it in the chat. Oh yeah, I could do that as well. No, because that way I I, I can also then get it. Oh, I guess <laughs> I have it. I have it in the email. Yeah, I can do that. I can do those two files too. Yeah, no, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I I can share it from the email. Don't worry about it, Rick. Yeah, that's okay. Because the Keep book rolling. gets into I'm 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 just going to touch onto it because I really because I have another thought about just being Philippine, uh, just the Philippine culture. But method it, the book talks about. I guess there are three splits into method acting. So Stanislavski, of course, taught it. And then there were three individuals that came to America. Lee Strasberg, who focused on improv and emotional recall. Then you had Stella Adler, who focused more on imagination and external research. And then Meisner, who just focused on just exist on stage. That's it. Just live as truthfully as possible. And there are extremes that goes into it. I mean, you know, there are stories about individuals who just lose a bunch of weight or I had a, I had a friend of mine, I was a stage manager and he was like, you know, I got to be drunk on stage. So I'm just going to just drink, just give me some liquor. And I'm like, I'm not adding that to the not a good idea. <laughs> so it's a fascinating book and we'll get into that. But Jeannie, I had a question for you. It appears, so I'm getting personal, but I went on a date with a Philippine chick and I was like, wow, it's so horrible what Duterte is doing. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> he's getting rid of this and that and the other. And it just dawned on me, it's as if there are two Philippine cultures that exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. When I speak to, you know, like I've spoke to a bunch of Bendel stiffers, 
uh, um, Arine Almario and, um, you know, Golda. That was we at the, the reading the other night. And, right. And- yeah. Yeah. And when you speak to, you know, let's say Philippines who are here in America, they're like, hey, you know, it's freedom. And, you know, it's wonderful to talk about Philippine culture. And when I talk to Mike Dorado, um, it's about freedom and, uh, you know, inclusivity and all that sort of stuff. But then I speak to people who are actually from the Philippines. I mean, you know, like I've had my ex-girlfriend, the last ex-girlfriend I had, you know, she talked about being a devout Catholic and never, you know, getting an abortion and the strictness. And it just occurred to me, you know, there are those, like you mentioned, immediately after Marcos, I think there was Corazon Aquino who became president. Is that correct? Right. Right after, yeah. Yeah. And then there was a dude named Estrada. Yes. Who was sort of the tough man. The actor, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he was an actor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, I guess our version of Donald Trump, although who knows, Duterte may be the version of Donald Trump. But you have like a very conservative Philippine who is more the Estrada type or the uh, Duterte type, who's very strict and, you know, and law and order. And, you know, it's almost like being in the deep south or whatever. And then you have, let's say, those who are like, Corazon Aquino and her son, Benin Aquino, and those who are there, I guess my question is, are there two, are there two distinct Philippine cultures? Oh, yeah. At the same time? yeah, no, because I mean, uh, this is something I told you? somebody yeah. just recently, that there was no uh, middle class really up until the 50s or 60s in the Philippines, it was just upper class and, and lower class. And since then, it's been uh, more of that, that middle uh, uh, class range that came to being, I, again, I think because of all the technology that was available, because there was more um, com- coming uh, over from the Philippines um, early on when the, the kids are young, you know, they're gonna uh, pursue their, their, their doctor's uh, careers. And, and so there, there was something that was, that was created really pretty recently, I'd say, what was that? That's only last 50 years. But before then, it was only upper class and lower class. And again, it's who's the one who controls the PR and the, and the, uh, the media over there? Well, right now, it's pretty much dominated by Duterte, you know? And one by one, of course, uh, you can tell the people who are trying to tell the truth, the, the, the one who won the award, um, um, Marie Ressa, she she was uh, given the the award and she was on the cover on the cover of uh, oh god what was it? But she was so brave as an editor for her newspaper. Oh right, she, yeah, it, yeah, and it was it, it was lauded around the world that thank you, thank you for being brave enough to tell us the other side of the news because everyone, not everyone. But there was that element that would believe that Duterte is just the best thing that happened, just like just like Trump did. And it's I don't think it's a coincidence that they were both in charge in their countries at the same time, because uh, um, they're, of course, they're buddies. You can see these. Well, yeah, they clearly recognized each other. Yeah, they they saw they were doing it the same way. That guy, that guy, that guy's doing it right. Right, right. But to hear. Yeah, uh, the people who have come over recently, let's say, um, um, and and believe that Duterte's uh, been doing the best he can for their country, you do wonder what what are your sources? What are what are you reading? You know, who are you listening to? Because from our end, we're thinking this sounds horrible. You know, people right. are being killed and left and right for essentially. It started about the uh, the, the drug war against drugs. It moved very quickly away from that. 
the numbers of people who were killed within a, the first three months was astounding and less and less news came out about that. So if, if that's the news that they're believing and being fed back there, so when they come over here and they go, well, this is what we need. They, they need to be uh, taken off the streets. They need to be killed. They, they need, but not all of them are, are, are drug dealers or drug dealers who have uh, actually come in and said, I'm, I'm going to give myself up. I just don't want to do this anymore. You, you know, I, please, please just uh, accept that I, I, I'm done with this. And they come in and they, they died. <laughs> so we, either they did or they didn't. Now, who are you going to believe? What, what, what news source or what, what influence are you going to believe in order to live your life under those conditions? You know, yeah. I'm sure people here see under Trump. Oh, my, 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 um, my IRA and, and everything I've invested in, it's sky high because Trump is in charge, like quantum leap. And same thing in a country like that, you know, they see what personally is happening to their, their finances or their way of living. And they're going to attribute to the person in charge. And, yeah. and not knowing that there are all these other permutations right. that are happening if, in between. He, has, he had nothing to do with it. Yeah you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it also taps into, I mean, there is a Philippine culture, which is very traditional and very conservative. I mean, um, where there is, you know, a strong Catholic presence. Uh, there is maybe a, a need. I mean, I haven't been to the Philippines, but maybe there is a need for maybe a searching for normalcy or searching of, a, a fictional, you know, oh, what about the good old days where, you know, we, things where life was just simple and normal. And because I, I think that's what powers the Trumpians or the far right right now. Well, There's let me also... tell you about the, the state of religion <laughs> from mm -hmm. what I see in, in the Philippines. They are, they are diehard Catholics, you know, and that means uh, no divorce, you know, um, but there's a lot of mistresses, you know, so the, there are things that they attribute to being um, the Catholic influences, but it, you know, it's wiggle room. It's wiggle room, you know. But it is very, very uh, dominated by that, by that, uh, that bubble, you know. That if it, if you say uh, this is what Catholics do, this is what the Pope says, this is what you know um, has been pass passed on. This is still what the 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 Padres that took over the, the Philippines when the, the Americans came in and when the when the Spanish took over before that. It's still that very Catholic overview that says, you do what I tell you, don't do what I do, you know? So um, it it's kind of a little hard to talk about that without taking into account that religion rules some of these people's lives to the nth, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And it reminded me, I have a, a good friend of mine, Mar Stevens, who frequents Africa a lot. She's very, very connected to the African culture. And she talked about, we were talking about corporal punishment. We were talking about, you know, like beating our children. She was like, you know, we've learned so much from our oppressors that we sometimes do the same thing to ourselves. And when you talk about, you know, the Padres, you know, it's so easy to live in a, um, almost a, what do, what do you call it? The, um, the totalitarian type, uh, state or whatever, where the father tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. You don't do a lot of thinking, you know, it's like, well, dad says we got to do it, so we got to do it. And, you know, I guess there are people who fall in line with that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, the church, he says to do that. The pastor says to do that. 
forget about thinking, forget about my own freedom, forget about individuality. And I I think it's interesting that you happen to run into people who, who are, let's say that diehard about it because it's that course, same thing. It's not the whole country. That's not the whole country. And and the mother of all ironies is that's, if it's that great, what are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, let's get into the, uh, the book. I'm interested because there are, we do have some, friends of ours, playwright friends, like I think of Bridget Dutta Portman, who has also transitioned from being a playwright to actual writing. I mean, I'm mean, not actual writing, but writing a, <laughs> actual uh, a book, <laughs> a mm-hmm. novelist. Mm-hmm. And um, what has that transition been like? And what is the business behind that? Do you just need a publisher? Um, t- can you talk about the business of it? Oh, my God. <laughs> it is a whole new mindset. It's like, you know, just putting on a whole different hat. Um, and I, that's the thing I was struggling with is trying to figure, okay, how can I apply it uh, uh, by example, by how I approached theater, you know, in the, in the promotion of it, as opposed to the, the craft of it, because I can write, I can write play scripts. I can write that, you know, I would like to believe I can write period. So that was, the challenge to say, okay, let's look at the, 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 you know, the inner workings of what makes a good novel, what makes a good uh, uh, story, a f- good fiction story, a, a, a good flow, uh, an arc. I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities. Okay. If I can do that, and I've been doing it in, in playwriting, I should be able to, to move that over into n- novel writing. Wasn't easy. I mean, that's why, you know, year 2000 and here 2017, 17 years of really trying to um, maneuver through that. And, 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 and I, I mean, I did the whole thing. I did the research about uh, book publishers and agents. I did the, the, the pitches. I, I, I went to the classes. I, 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 you know, took the course on marketing, you know, and I'm thinking like, this is far too, um, let's say, uh, uh, energy draining, <laughs> let's say, I just want to write it. I'm going to believe that the, the, the publisher who, who sees the worth in the book is going to, is going to do it, you know? Um, and that's pretty much what happened. It was like putting it out in the universe and a friend of mine who was being published by Regent Press, he was having a Christmas party and, uh, said, yeah, come visit, you know, come share. We've been at it 30 years now or something. So I went and I met the publisher and I, I said, uh, so you do mostly local writers? And he said, yeah. And he's shown me the books. And I said, well, I have a book, you know, and of course the pitch starts and he goes, well, that sounds like something we do. And I went, oh, well, maybe we should talk about that a little bit more, you know? And I, I think once I got that business side, at least in a overall view is like, okay, there's this, 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 and this. All right. I'm aware of it. Can I get back to writing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a whole I really, yeah. Cool. Because I, I really felt like it, it, it's going to happen because I've done that kind of homework. So um, I would have to say the people who really, and th- this, this is different. This is indie, indie publishing. That's what, you know, it's like, you're really pretty much paying for most of it to be, to be printed. But when you get, under the wing of big people, you know, um, who will take over the whole ball of wax. It's a lot of, it's a lot of contracts. It's a lot of pre-work about 
um, okay, here's a here's a proposal. Here's your you, you come up with an idea of what what your mark who who's who writes like you you know who are you going to be up against? Uh, what's the subject matter that's out there? What's the subject matter that's been out there and it's already old? So all this stuff, I'm going like, I just want to write, you know. <laughs> um, and but it did it did affect my writing. It was like, okay, I know this story has not been told from this point of view before. I know that um, coming at it from, uh, let's say, a mother-daughter relationship in, in this setting, I, I don't believe that that's been done in this manner before. So you, you try to zero in on what's going to be its specificity, you know, um, and it's got to be good writing. And that's that made it easier for me to, to take on the whole ball of wax. It's like I had to know I had the writing down for before thinking about all the other permutations of how to get it, how to get it in print. But I, I, I still did the homework. You still have to do the homework. You still should be aware that there's other steps besides the, the, the theater promotion, let's say, you know? Yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, and it sounds like that, the very fact that you knew a friend of yours who had also been published and you it can have that dinner, big that, was, that was a big, big help. Did you need a lawyer? Um, no, I've, I've got two lawyers now, but not for that. <laughs> um, no, not because it, it was just a contract between myself and, and the publisher. Okay. And uh, it, it worked out better that way for me. It may not work out for a lot of other people. Maybe they yeah. think it's just too, well, maybe it, it's it's too yeah. grassroots in a way, let's say. Yeah. Um, maybe, but, or maybe it's cheaper. You know, obviously, if you include a lawyer, that's more money that you have to pay the lawyer. Right. It sounds like you could you could navigate it all by yourself with the yeah. publisher. And okay, well that's cool. I was yeah. just thinking to myself, as a playwright becoming a uh, a novelist, who is also a novelist because you're still a playwright, that gives you I think it gives you an advantage because I know when I pick up a book, when I pick up a play, I know there's going to be objectives, there's going to be characters, there's going to be let's say one scene will focus on this and another scene will focus on that. So then I know there's going to be an ebb and flow in the storyline driven by dialogue. With a novel, I really don't know how long I'm going to be reading about how, you know, the trees were green and it was summertime. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm reminiscing to myself and I'm like, oh my goodness, how yeah. long do I have to go through? So I think, would you say that being a playwright gives you an advantage as a novelist because you know how to, let's say, write about a particular air quote scene. I think it made a difference, particularly because I was thinking that too. And looking at covers, I was saying how big, I mean, and this is something really to be aware of, just how big the name was versus the title. I went, okay, well, um, everyone uh, knows Michael Lewis. So his name can be bigger than the, than the, than the, than the title. Uh, you put my name, big Jeannie Broga. I don't think people know it, me as a, as an author as a, as a fiction writer but they would know me as a playwright you know and so that was the other thing too is like what's your social media like Do, would you be able to uh push your work on your own if 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 uh it's not going as fast as you want to i said yeah i think i got kind of a pretty good social media you know i think i can do that you know but i i really looked at it and i thought okay i've got to have i've got to put something on here that that it shows that, you know, I'm a playwright going into the, the novel writing world. So I put down that, you know, um, this award-winning playwright, this is her first fiction novel and it, that was on the back. So 
it's it was being upfront you know no this is this is not a book a writer as such but she i am a a writer of merit because i've written a lot of plays so um the, it was just again trying to trying to uh, balance what what does a person look at when they see a book on on display i don't know that name but boy that that's, that's it's an interesting title turn right at the right book oh it's kind of a pretty book you know it's it's all these different things that you 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 have to become well versed in uh in order to make the in order to make the jump you know yeah, I would, um, I would think that a publisher would say, well, <clears throat> let's put it in a Philippine community. Let's say there's, you know, um, an older Philippine person. I, I imagine younger person, younger people still read books because, mm -hmm. you know, books, you know, book reading has become almost a fallacy for uh, younger folks unless uh, their teacher tells them to. But I imagine an older person would say, hey, you know, there's a new Philippine book out. And what does that mean? Turn right to Buffalo. Maybe turn right to the water Buffalo. I mean, is that a, like a common phrase or maybe it's a phrase that someone may have heard mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well okay most of the people that have been buying it so mm. far um the majority of them are uh non-filipinos let's put it that way which was a, a incredible surprise you know but i made my my uh my social media be as diverse as i possibly could too you mm. know so i i think it's still circulating throughout the Filipino community um, in, let's say, let's put it, a wait and see attitude. Mm. <laughs> you know, let's see if so-and-so buys it, then maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> and, will, will, uh, I'm sorry, will it be translated in Tagalog, do you think? or is that Oh, anything? that's something way down the line. I haven't even, you know, mm. it, it's a step at a time. Right now, I'm holding off even having it uh, put on audio, you know? It's, let's just see what happens, you know? Um, and again, if you take it to somebody, one of the big, big companies, big uh, publishers, they'll say, oh, we're going to completely inundate the, the audio book um, circuits and, and it's going to go out that way and it's going to be this and that. And the way I'm going about it, I pick and choose. So, um, I, yeah, I guess I'm at the wait and see, too. I want to see if this is going to be uh, something I want to go further in the audio world audiobook world or um any of the other different ways that that it could be offered kindle you know all that sort of stuff so it's it's just having enough information about that world after having been i mean i have to say as a mover shaker in theater it's like okay if you have to push your 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 plays it means you take it to the theater you know you you mail it to them you follow up on it you you know try to get to uh, see as many plays as you can you get, try to see what the casts are possible for your own place it's that same type of drive that you have to put into uh, uh promoting a book for say that you've been putting into playwriting if you're that if you're of that again of, of that drive you know yeah, <clears throat> yeah so, i really do think it takes it takes drive because, you know, writing it is one thing, the artistic part of it is one thing, but then there's the marketing part of it and you just can't leave it up to other folks. You're gonna have to, you know, sort of do that yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's still a remarkable, it's a wonderful accomplishment and um, it's already, you know, you've sold a lot of it already and you have a publisher behind you and this is fantastic. Um, 
uh, I guess one last question. Do you have any any other books? Are, are you are you working on something else these days? Oh, yeah. But I just want to add to that. There's uh, maybe in the chat, too, or wherever you put that, the other things coming up. There's going to be a book signing in Stockton at the Stockton Fonz Museum at the yes. end of April. Uh, Emil Guillermo is going to have me on his uh, his podcast, if you know Emil. So um, and then it's uh, it's it's uh, um, been con uh, contracted to be at the book passage up in up in uh, Sausalito here. Um, and it's in a couple other places. So it's visible. And that's all in the thing I sent you in one of the files I sent you. Yeah, but well, as far I mean, as it, mm -hmm. as far as the other books. Um, yeah, Golda. And Mallory, both people we all know and love, mm -hmm. are helping me with uh, Katatagon, which is a, a book on Filipino-American theater artists in the Bay Area. And uh, pretty much working at it since about the same time, about 2017. And um, we're all very, very busy ladies, very busy. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, I've been collecting this information about uh, just names, just trying to get the names of Filipino American theater artists. And uh, what we've come up across is that people, oh no, I don't think I should be in that book. You think I should be in that book? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a theater, you know? And oh, I don't know, let me think, let me think. And it's still sort of that wait and see. It's like, oh, if so-and-so puts their name in, then maybe I'll be, you know? And, um, but it's gotten to be a good, what is it? I think it's up to 200. Um, and those are ones that we've been trying to find with uh, uh, contact information, particularly uh, uh, websites and um, Twitter or something like that. So there'd be a place where people can say, this is where this person, this actor, this technician, you know, um, uh, this supporter, educator, just to show how active it is in, in trying to, in promoting theater arts for Filipino Americans, particularly yeah. in the Bay Area which goes from Vallejo to San Juan Bautista and from the Bay Area to Sacramento. So that's the area we're concentrating on right now. How, how helpful has, because um, you've been using, uh, I sent you a bunch of um, uh, MP3 files of the A, past mm -hmm. interviews that we've had. Has that been helpful for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, ha I had to update it because uh, I think since Jed, since Jed and Melvin. Oh, we've had a bunch, yeah. Yeah, so I... Um, but I'll probably have to, you know, uh, hit you up about something about that as well later on. But yeah, I, I want it. It's going to be a list in the book. So it's not like anything people can click on. I mean, they would have to manually put it in. But that's the only way I could figure is to uh, make a, sign, uh, a, a concise list of how many people have just been interviewed and uh, highlighted on the yay. I, it's amazing. If people knew that. And hear how many different um, uh, subject matters you cover that really uh, show what a vibrant theater community this is. It, it, it would blow everybody's mind. I think people don't know you guys are, I wouldn't say you're still a secret, but you should be known. I, I think you know? a lot of people don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. We, we, we do the best we can. And obviously, you know, we have our day jobs. And, you know, Mallory, it's been wonderful having Mallory. Well, you should know because Mallory's helped you out in this book and also some other things, other researches as well. Oh, yeah, she um, helped me with the Stanford collection. She was amazing, so... That yeah, yeah, no, Mallory's been fantastic. And so we're doing the best we can. But I'm very proud. I mean, if there's one thing, if I were to drop off the earth, you know, God forbid, that doesn't happen. But if I were to drop off the earth right now, I could say, 
Norman and I did the yay, and we mm-hmm. brought out, among other things, the mm-hmm. Philippine, you know, uh, community and and having folks come on to talk about their experiences. You know, when we had Jed on, he talked about one of famous story, you know, when he did white at shotgun players and they wanted him to play a type of a Philippine character based mm-hmm. on cliches. You know, he had to scold them. He was like, what Philippine do you want tonight? You know, are yeah. you going to put on the traditional garb and, you know, how do you want, want me to be? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You want me to tattoo my body? Which one do you want? You know, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, and Mike Dorado, you know, talking about playing a bunch of other characters, not Filipino at all, because he could blend in. He could do so many different things, mm-hmm. which is very common among Filipino. No, I wanted to have him for um, for the Baldwin reading. He's not available. Oh, mm-hmm. what a shame! Yeah, and and having uh, um um, Almario, you know, come on to talk about her, you know, experience at Bendelstiff and transitioning to being, you know, um, a, you know, in the executive staff <clears throat> and how mm-hmm. difficult that's been for her. I mean, she's doing an excellent job, but it's a big transition from being on oh, yeah. stage to running the stage. Yeah. She's doing a fantastic job. I think Bendelstiff had their 30th anniversary yeah. a couple of years back. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, having watched over the years, the gradual growth of uh, a Filipino uh, visibility on the stage has just been just been amazing to me because when I started of course here I am giving plays to people who say oh we can't cast that we don't know Filipinos I'm like well that's where you come in you're the playwright you go find them for us I'm like I'm gonna be your casting director too you know (laughs) you know are they gonna pay you for that yeah yeah right right and uh there's this community outreach can you do that as well I'm the playwright, you know, you know, you know, what, what do you, what's, what's your job, you know? So um, I think that, 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 that arc that has happened over the, the, the last few years um, was for just being uh, pushy. <laughs> Essentially, it's like, well, I know, if I know Filipinos and they're in theater and they're in the Bay Area, you should be able to find them too, yeah. you know? And that applies um, to Filipino actors as well, you know, because there are a lot of folks who wanted to just stay in Bendelstiff and, you know, just stay in that little wonderful warm club. Mm-hmm. But then <clears throat> there's a revolution of, you know, actors who are branching out, you know, like Marco yeah. Dorado's done a bunch of other things and yeah. Jet Presario and Melvin Badiola. Roxon, Julie Kuwabara. I mean, you see them all over San Francisco Bay Area stages now and it's like they they do it they they make it work you know yeah and yeah Jeffrey- i wish there was a way that bendel stiff would would find a, a connection keep a connection with those folks including you that um it'd be nice to feel like there was you know not just the new energy that's coming up but also appreciating the folks that have already stepped up to that next level and bringing them back in yeah yeah thank yeah. you for saying that because there's been sort of a a uh, uh, I don't know, um, a voice some, some, for some people who say, oh, we've never seen so many Filipinos on stage at once. I'm like, uh, no, no, that's, they have been, there have been masses of Filipinos on stage in the Bay Very Area. Cool. Oh, and, yeah. you know, they've been doing the work, you know, it just didn't appear out of, out of nowhere. So, Right. You, you you got to you got to give credence to those those people you know yeah. they, they've, they've been paying their dues you yeah. know and even Filipinos who are not connected with um, Bendelstiff like we interviewed Mara Sotelo 
who was doing amazing work. She came from Chicago into the Bay Area. And as a singer, she had a singing background, a beautiful singer. And she's been involved with um, Ferocious Lotus. And also I've been on stage with her um, for Town Hall Theater. And we had her on the show. Mm. Um, so they're a bunch. Also, Brian Rivera. I don't think Brian yeah. Rivera has a connection with um, Bindlestiff, but- Not directly, I don't think. Yeah. And actually, speaking of him, he'll be performing The Great Con at the San Diego Rep. Oh, oh cool. March the Very 30th, good. The 27th. So that's awesome. I can mm -hmm. see him as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. It is well past the uh, one hour mark. We're having so much fun. Um, any last words, Jeannie, before we uh, wrap things up and do the shout outs and stuff like that? Um, and we'll be, yeah. uh, every, I have everything that you sent me and we'll have a link to everything so that people can go to see, you know, go to the book signings and go to the bookstores and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, kind of bring up the point that I've been working with this uh, group lately. Um, there's three of us right now who are kind of the key people. Pinai Playwrights. And it was, okay, how, who, who are they? You know, what, what, what do you want to do? Well, we're part of the new play exchange. If you've heard of that, that's sort of like the clearinghouse for uh, most uh, playwrights uh, to hook up with theaters and, you know, both sides sort of uh, pay into this group and they say, okay, we'll hook you up with, with playwrights. They'll, they'll post their stuff. You guys get in touch. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. so it's been really, really good. And so it turned out the new play exchange had um, uh, a few of us are, who are Filipino American, 35, 35 playwrights uh, were found through or tangentially, let's say, to let's see if we can get together and get to know each other. Mm -hmm. It's grown to 53. It's like amazing that there mm -hmm. should be uh, a group of us that have been uh, working and, and doing our work or coming on onto the scene recently. So that's something to just look out for. They're called Pinai Playwrights. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll keep you posted on that, but that, that's what's happening recently. As, as well. And uh, CAM, if you know CAM, Center for Asian American Media, they uh, put together my, my dad's music. He was a, 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 led a Filipino dominant group, but they were playing mostly Hawaiian music, but they played all sorts of music from LA uh, along Route 66 into Chicago, into Milwaukee, where my family was born. And um, so they're all on MP3s now, and we were hoping to have a, a night of music at uh, Manila Town Heritage Foundation, the old high hotel. So we're, wow. we're kind of looking at that. No, that is awesome. That is just, I didn't realize that your dad was a, uh, a crooner, a singer. Oh, like yeah. Like my dad. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the new play exchange. Yeah, you know, Jim Kleiman, when he was on, he talked about that. And uh, that is a wonderful, if, if there are any budding playwrights who are listening and watching this, uh, we'll have a link, but you can go on and you can submit your plays. I've actually submitted a couple of plays mm. and throughout the United States, there are uh, companies, there are schools, young theater companies that may pick up the play and, you know, and may produce it. So that's, um, that's a wonderful repository, a wonderful place where yeah. you can read new plays, submit new plays and get, and get yourself known nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. And just segueing to there is another project that's coming up and I'll just mention it's the uh, Finding Manila Town. It's going to be a documentary documentary, and it's also going to be a, a, a series of sorts, but 
Uh, more on that later, just to let you know that that's something that's uh, exciting and, and uh, on the horizon and going to be wonderful. So, Fantastic. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much for being on. Shout outs, birthdays. Birthdays. <clears throat> yeah, last week there was a thin list. This week I got a big list. <laughs> uh, making up for it. Uh, Jessica Powell's birthday is today. Uh, Jessica has been in Bay Area Theater forever. Wonderful actress. Um, last time I saw her on stage was uh, playing King Lear, playing the lead role in King Lear for the SF Shakes. Um, that was their... We should have some name for that sort of COVID era, the, the lockdown show. Yeah. Um, but uh, they so they broadcast that or, or streamed it, um, but streamed it live like those actors, every performance were performing. They were all in their own home and they did this whole OBS thing where they were able to put figures together. So it looked like they were in the same space. Weird production. Anyway, last time I actually saw her was um, Great Expectations. She and her husband Jack came out and that was really sweet. Sean O'Neill. Um, I believe is a principal of a high school now in West Sacramento, but I met him when the African American Shakespeare came out and he was sort of our designated white guy. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful guy. Uh, Brittany Villars is uh, the tech guru at Playground. She she does lighting, I think, primarily, but she weighs in on a lot of stuff and is very much creating the sort of design vision with Playground. Uh, Emily Kiyashian, I hope I pronounced that right was I think my first daughter. Um, I, I, I have no children, but I keep having more and more adult children on stage. I keep playing mm -hmm. characters who have adults, children, and she was my uh, Ophelia in Hamlet. I played uh, Polonius. Uh, Brian Quakenbush is an amazing actor. I am at that point where I really don't wanna see the latest production of like As You Like It or Midsummer Night's Dream, whatever. I saw him in an As You Like, no, it was Twelfth Night. They're very similar plays. It was Twelfth Night, and he was just brilliant. He was uh, running a company here called Round Belly, and then he moved to Canada. So I hope he is still making theater. Tessa Koenig Martinez, her oh, birthday this week. Yay. Director, actor, teacher, um, dear heart. And um, this is her first year without her mother. Her mm. mother, oh God, I don't want to even try and mess up her name. I think it was Elizabeth. Uh, um, Martinez um, was a major activist in the Bay Area, not in the Bay wow. Area, nationally, like the New York Times did a big obit for her last year. Wow. Um, so this will be Tessa's first year without mom. Uh, Stephanie Taylor, a wonderful local actor. Every now and then I meet somebody like this and they're just so amazing, amazing comic actor. I'm like, how come we're not hearing about you? Like you should be on everybody's stage. Darren Wilkerson, I went to San Francisco State with, um, African-American. Um, director. He was really identifying at that point as a director and I kind of lost track of him. So I'd love to hear what he's up to now. Argo Thompson. I actually get to highlight a show. Argo Thompson is the artistic director of the Left Edge Theater that's up in, it's near Santa Rosa. I actually have it open on my screen right now. Um, I think it's Rohnert Park. Anyway, it's up in there, up in the North Bay and uh, they've got a show that I will pitch when we get to show shout outs. Deirdre Renee's birthday is coming up this week. Uh, Deirdre Renee is about to move. So if you know Deirdre Renee and you wanna see her, excuse me, before she goes on the 24th, she's gonna have a little goodbye gathering and you can ask me, I'm not gonna like broadcast her party info, but her birthday's coming up this week. 
uh, Moni Law, somebody I went to high school with. And I can't even remember if she ever did any theater in high school, but I will always shout her out as a theater person because during the Obama years, she got to be a double for Michelle Obama. They flew ah. her all over the country to play Michelle Obama. Wow, she looks like Michelle wow. Obama. And she looks enough like she's taller and, you know, right complexion. And, you know, she's got as many wigs as Michelle Obama has. So. <laughs> and then the last one I have is Tim Niffin with a K, Kniffin. Tim Niffin. Um, I'm not, I can't even remember how our paths first crossed, but I was delighted to see him a few years ago in, um, oh God, what's it called? Um, Trouble in Mind, which was at the Aurora Theater. Beautiful play about... Um, a Broadway production in rehearsal of a black play that is trying to be edgy in like the 50s and um, and having trouble crossing that line. And he had to play the white director in that who was a little bit out to lunch. And it was, he did a wonderful job, but I know Tim and I, my heart was just sort of breaking for him as the show was going on. I'm like, Tim's not like this at all. Tim is such a sweet guy. Anyway, his birthday's coming up next Friday, I believe. And that's my birthday list. Happy birthday, y'all. Happy All birthday. Right. And I have a list. Um, Michael Cabita, we just had her on uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, her birthday is February the 6th. Although uh, neither Norman and I have worked with her, she's worked with um, Kim Donovan. And Kim Donovan suggested her. I believe she was in Dirty Butterfly. Um, yeah. Oh, God. She was. She's amazing. She's amazing. And Dirty Butterfly, she's just amazing, period. Yeah. So her birthday is February the 6th. Happy birthday, Micah. Also, February the 6th, I always bring up uh, the Ellingtonites that I uh, graduated with. Nicole Prescott, formerly Nicole Bobbitt, uh, an amazing dancer and um, actress. And I think she's in L.A. these days um, and a model. Uh, February the 6th her, is her birthday. On February the 8th, I recently had a... Um, Someone contacted me via Facebook saying, hey, can I be a Facebook friend? I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and she's in Ellington. She was like, I graduated from Ellington, but I'm, you know, way, you know, uh, I grew I graduated in like 1992 or 93. And I'm like, OK. Um, and but she, you know, she just wanted to reach out to contact me. So, you know, the Ellington family is uh, is rich that way. So her birthday, she's a uh, budding actress. Her birthday is February the 8th. Also on February the 8th, we've had him on, Raymond Ray. So when the whole um, Dave Chappelle transgendered controversy thing was happening, we brought in some individuals to get their perspective. And Raymond Ray, a good friend of mine, a transgendered male, um, gave wonderful perspective Incredible. on- Incredible. You know, yeah, yeah. I was so sure we were going to get in trouble with the podcast right before that one. And then he came in and I was like, we still might get in trouble. <laughs> It was um, it was a unique perspective. Um, I really appreciated us being able to share that with the world. Yeah, and 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 I think you know it's important to talk about these things. You know, you, we may have controversial things and people may not agree or disagree, but we need to talk about these things. What does it mean to be transgendered? And he is one who, of course, he he's been living with this and he's been talking about this. He wrote a play, The Sweet New, which talked about his transition from being a woman to a man, but also the transition of his family, uh, very much similar to your book, Genie, mm. about tr his family transitioning from being Italians to uh. coming to America. 
and how sometimes the transition is not as smooth as you want it to be because you know sometimes you can assimilate so much that other family members just askew you and say mm -hmm. you know we don't know who you are yeah. so and i've worked with ray uh i was a stage manager when we did water buffalo and also um he directed the play um the marriage of bet and boo so a very good friend of mine he is a teacher now he's a film teacher in minnesota so ray a happy birthday to you also february the 9th dove hassan the husband of linda Amayo hassan who had her uh she did a uh thing at playground a solo act playground solo uh yes last night oh wow yay um so dove is her husband they both teach at chabot college doing amazing work um you know feeding the minds of young budding actors and actresses his birthday is February the 9th. Uh, February the 10th, I think you saved this for me, Helena Alvarez. I've got to get her on. Mm. She, she was our um, Fatima and also our Julia Wright when we did oh. Foreman in Paris. <laughs> no, I don't and, think she's my Facebook friend. I didn't, I didn't pull her up. Yeah, so Helena, she's been busy. I think she's been off the grid, busy, basically having a family. You know, she has two kids now and, uh, and yeah, her husband. Just living the life and loving uh, the family life, the domestic life. And um, we've talked a couple of times. She said, you know, I, I love you guys. I want to get back on the show. I try not to push her, but uh, she's a wonderful presence. And her birthday is February the 10th. And the last one that I have is Christine McComer. She's a uh, older veteran actress. She um, and I were on the stage. We did Grey Gardens together. Grey Gardens, uh, the story of the Bouvier family. This is mm -hmm. the niece, no, aunt niece I, I i don't know if cousin of um jacqueline bouvier any case rich people living in a very reclusive um um uh, mansion uh with nothing but cats and there was a documentary on there was a play on it and she played the old older um bouvier and she's an amazing singer an amazing actress and her birthday is on february the 10th and those are my birthdays shows Lots of shows. Um, As You Like It is, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> after I complain about the play, As You Like It is at the Maskers Theater uh, for a couple more weeks through the 19th. Um, uh, Bedelia, I can't even say her last name, is um, playing Phoebe in it. She was um, my fellow understudy in um, Pericles last summer. The Tempest, I don't know why this is all about Shakespeare all of a sudden, but The Tempest um, is being done by the Oakland Theater Project. That goes through March 13th. And then either, and the name of the show is either, it's a U.S. premiere by Ruby Thomas. And that will be going through February 20th at the Left Edge Theater Company, and that's where Argo Thompson is. And I've got two more. Um, Brava is doing something called I Too Sing America, and that'll be through February 13th. Um, it's, it looks like it's more a movement piece, but it's a, I would assume with a title like that, um, that it's a combination of poetry and movement. Um, I don't really have many details on it. Last one I will give out is if people are looking for something to do for Valentine's Day, um, Coleman Domingo it will be in town. I believe the, um, what is it called? The New Conservatory Theater, I believe, is doing one of his plays. Wow. Um, but the magic, he has agreed to come out and host a fundraiser for the magic theater. Um, so you can do Valentine's with Coleman Domingo and you can get information at the magic theater. 
I thought you were going to push the uh, the Baldwin project because we're doing our first read through. Oh on- God! And of course, yes, Baldwin project is happening. Um, uh, the nineteenth of uh, February. That's a Saturday from three to five at the Peralta Historical Hacienda House. And then a week later on the 26th in San Francisco at the Bayfront Theater in Fort Mason. And that's, um, it's just gonna be a staged reading. It's actually just a chance for us to kind of celebrate launching the website. And I didn't say that, oh my God. So my other big new and good and new and good this week is um, I got accepted into the Innovator Incubator Program with Playground. Oakland Public Theater got accepted as a company that will be, they will be fiscal sponsoring us. And there's a whole lot of connecting oh, wow. how the company grows. I know. I'm sorry. Congratulations. I'm acknowledging these things. That's big. Um, but anyway, um, so this uh, reading will be a chance for us to sort of celebrate the launch of the Baldwin Centennial Project. And, yeah, and uh, there, will be saw- prominently featured in it. Oh, uh, well, I don't know about prominently. <laughs> well, prominent? Baldwin. But um, yeah, I saw the website, the uh, the I can't even pull up the website, but it was wonderful. The Baldwin, Baldwin Centennial Project. Project. We should put that. Yeah, we should add that one in. I'll I'll add it in yeah. my list and send it to you. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And that should be really, really nice. And um, well, you know, we I guess I was going to mention uh, an individual who may be playing Baldwin, but we may not mention his or her name uh, until you, we know for sure. Baldwin, I don't have. No. If you're talking about our boy, our boy is a fucking flake, and oh. I could be happy if I never have to talk to him again. I'm sorry. I was, I am I was done. Just... Oh, Reg, let me put this out here publicly. <laughs> I am effing done with him. I would love it if you never recommend him to me again because he has flaked numerous times, and yeah. I'm just tired. I'm tired. My, my apologies. What about Diana Lauren Jones? She is going to, she's busy that day for one of the readings she can't do. Um, so, um, she is going to actually help us. We are supposed to have a, an event page up. Hopefully it'll be up before the end of the day. And, um, she's okay. going to help manage that. She's, yeah. they're doing some home stuff. She and her partner, Alex are doing some stuff with their home. And so she can't commit to getting out to do something. Yeah. It's funny mentioning Baldwin. I saw a picture of Tan Dewey in uh, Atlanta and uh. he apparently is playing Alexander Dumas. I don't know Yay. what the project is, but I, he looks fantastic. You know, I saw the promotion photos and things. So mm-hmm. he's tearing it up in the dirty, dirty ATL. That's fantastic. Good for him. Shows, Pulp Scripture. So we've talked about Pulp Scripture when William Bivens came on, episode 206. Oh, I'm so glad you remembered this one. Yes. Yeah. So the apop, the apop, uh, apophric, apophric. Apocrypha. Yeah, that's apocry- a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Apocry- apocrypha. Apocrypha, apocryphamedia.com, <laughs> and we'll have the link. Uh, you can click onto it. So these are basically podcasts. It's almost like a, it's it's like a radio theater, mm. but it's only like 15 minutes. It's like pocket radio th- theater, and it focuses on the Bible, and it's like a funny take mm. on the Bible, sketches, sketches. Okay. And episode seven, they have the shameful origin of Moab and Ammon. So check out um, Apocrypha Media. And those have been so fun. He gets wonderfully talented people, and then they they just tear it up. Yeah, yeah. Also, the Pear Theater is doing the Mountaintop, 
which is a take on um, Martin Luther King Jr. Apparently Martin Luther King Jr. has a, uh, in, a mystery individual that visits him and motivates him. And that mystery person is played by Damaris DeVito. Remember we had her on and she was actually mm -hmm. in my play, Judicial Process, uh, where she played the maid and she was fantastic. So uh, that will be February the 3rd through the 20th. That's Mountaintop, the Pear Theater. Uh, we've talked about uh, my hate letter to the Great American Theater, Shotgun Players. Yay. That will be um, live and I believe streaming February the 17th, 17th through the 20th. And we'll have a link to that. Uh, and of course, Golda Sargento, aka Rebel Maria, is in that. Carmen, Opera San Jose is doing Carmen. And I bring this up because Brenna Kimmerly, and she's been on the show, episode 203, will be in it February the 12th through the 27th. So if you're into opera, check out Carmen. The Hollow City Lights Theater uh, and Yumi Kabori is in that show. That has been running since January the 20th and it'll end February the 20th. February the 20th. Um, Dot, the new conservatory theater center is doing a play called Dot. That's Dot, at, Carmen Domingo's play. Yeah, bingo, yeah. there we are. Cool. Great think alike. <laughs> and it's being directed by Sean J. West. March the 4th through April the 3rd. Um, we had Dr. Stephanie Johnson on the show. Uh, that was a great, great interview that we had. And I'm so glad that you brought her in, Norman. Mm -hmm. uh, she's teaching a class on lighting um, yeah. hosted by the Oakland Theater Project, The nice. Magic of Lighting. And that'll be March the 7th through the 28th in person. I believe it's also being streamed and that we have a link to that as well oh, if you cool. want to learn more about the ins and outs of lighting and especially from the perspective of an african-american um lighting designer which is very rare and an african-american female lighting designer and she's a professor she's, she teaches this mm -hmm. so that's cool it was a great podcast because we talked about the effects you know like how lighting from a perspective of someone who is african-american and different skin cone tones and just you know a different way of looking at how to light the stage um and also there are a couple of podcasts that uh we always push barry graves has a podcast out the black man's heart so check that out barry graves is of course our our uh, our richard wright in four men in paris Mallory Samara, our wonderful consulting producer, is producing a podcast for KCBS Radio called Connect the Dots. So check that out. And also, Bindlesif Studios has a podcast called The Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. So check that out on all of your podcast apps. So that is it. Jeannie, did you have a good time? I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Could, could I just say something about yeah. it? It's about the Bindlesif. Uh, group, but uh, we just found out yesterday that uh, Lorna Chui, Lorna Chui, Lesko, and her her sister, their their mother died. Oh. She was very active in supporting Bindlestiff, mm -hmm. so they're they're having a, a a private memorial for her. But I just wanted people to know that you know the the support that helped Bindlestiff and and her own daughters and 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 the group in in general was through the efforts of people like, like their the mother, her name is Remedios Aquino Chui. So. Yes, and we've, we've um, I've worked with uh, her uh, daughters, Deanne, who wrote The Gotta Love These Immigrants, mm -hmm. and also Lorna Velasco Ho, I think directed that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're wonderful people, and you can just tell the love that they, that they exude comes from their mother, who of course supported them in theater. And it, it was tragic. I did see that their mother had passed away. Yeah. And yeah, we do want to give our regards and our 
thoughts and prayers to the family, to the Velasco family, the Chewy family. All righty. Um, well, you're listening to this on, um, you're probably watching this on YouTube. We're going to post this on YouTube. So please like Great. and subscribe. Let us know what you like and what you don't like. And uh, give us a thumbs up and hit the, uh, what do they call it, the bell so that you can get more updates on when we post things on the A. But everybody you, loves it, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, every now and then you, you can get the, hey, you didn't mention me and this and that and the other. And we've actually had people that's, come that's on saying, That's the problems hey, we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please tell us. And also, if you want to be on the A, that's how we got um, Deborah, Deborah Cortez. She listened to the A and it was like, hey, interview me. And we interviewed her and she is a rising star. So if you want to be on the A, let us know. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast app, if you're on the iPhone or iPad, you can listen to us on Spotify and on that purple podcast app that you uh, that's on every iPhone and iPad. Uh, if you are an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you'll find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. We're on the Yay 3. That's our official Twitter feed. Also, I'm on I'm at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. And Jeannie, you have your own personal website. You have genieboroga.com. Uh, are you also on uh, social media at all, Jeannie? Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, I think that's pretty much. Oh, LinkedIn and LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Jeannie Baroga. Yes. Is that how people can find you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for, especially for uh, individuals who own theater uh, companies, and you're looking to <clears throat> for a play that's uh, innovative and interesting you can't go wrong with Jeannie. you know contact her and if you're interested in learning more about the book we'll have all sorts of um postings on where you can buy the book and where you can go for um uh book readings and book signings and so we'll have that that is it uh, i'm going to grab some lunch it's uh, wonderful thank you so much this uh, saturday morning everyone have a great time and as norman and i always say We've got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Sign and we are out. Yeah.